What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of Going Long. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got a quick show for you guys today. Football is uh, back on Tuesday with the Ducks starting practice again, so I will be on later, uh, probably later this week or early next week, to talk more about what Dan Lanning and uh, his team are doing, getting ready for the spring game at the end of this month. Today, though, I wanted to talk about women's college basketball. There was some uh, some major news that came out on Monday night. The Tahina Pow Pow is entering the transfer portal and leaving Oregon, which is a uh, that's just a major blow for Kelly Graves and the Ducks. So um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then there's a, a good conversation to be had about Sabrina Unesco's legacy in the wake of this Kaylin Clark renaissance in college basketball. So I brought on my friend Shane Potter from the Flock Pot earlier today. We had a conversation about that and kind of the current Caitlin Clark phenomenon that's going on. Obviously, the uh, the Iowa star came up short in the championship game on Sunday, but she's taken the women's basketball world by storm right now. And a lot of people are crowning her as, you know, the greatest player ever. And um, I know that both Shane and I wanted to say, you know, as respectfully as we possibly can, that, you know, let's maybe let's let's hold off for a second you know well what about sabrina unescu what about some of these other other people like diana tarasi and asia wilson so um let's just take a breath in for a second before we uh make any rash statements um we've got that we've got the tahina news that i talked about a little bit up top we got a good one thank you for tuning in let's get into it Recording this part of the podcast, it is Monday night. Just got done watching uh, UConn win the the college basketball championship. Congrats to them; that was fun to watch. Um, during the game, the Oregonian James Scrapia came out with the uh, the report that Tahina Pow Pow, Oregon's point guard, is entering the transfer portal. Which uh, I'm not gonna lie, that shocked me. I was I was not expecting that. I think that is that's a major blow for the Ducks. That's something that. Um, you know, you already had their other guard, India Rogers, declaring for the WNBA draft last week. Um, people thought that she was either going to do that or maybe come back for one more year, but but losing her was already big. And now you lose your your other star guard and uh, one of your your veteran most players. So um, that's just a it's a tough one for the Ducks. And I think that Kelly Graves is now probably going to going to really have to look at his program and and look at the pieces there and and figure out how to go forward he's absolutely going to have to go into the transfer portal this year to try and find some ready-made players some some more veteran experience i guess because that's a really a really young team uh that team they lost three seniors this year they lost uh rogers like i said a fourth year junior to the draft and the most veteran player coming back right now is philly che and the two other players the They've got uh, sophomores that have really good experience. There's Grace Van Sluten and Chance Gray. But other than that, you really you don't have a ton of experience. You don't have a ton of you know veteran leadership in that locker room. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how Graves deals with this going forward. But, man, I was just uh, – I'm surprised that uh, that Palpa's leaving because she, she seemed like she was bought into this team. I know that I had a conversation with uh, Eric Scopel earlier this year Two four seven sports, and he was saying that it was interesting to him how she maybe seated the leadership of the team and the what he said the alpha dog role to India Rogers, and 
that may it was just an interesting development because um, she she kind of always had that role uh, the past couple of years. But I I don't know. I I'm gonna be really interested to see over the next few days if any news comes out about this and kind of about her time in the program because you know I thought she was she was really bought in and I thought she had a good relationship with Kelly Graves with the coaching staff um, and you know maybe maybe that wasn't true maybe they they butted heads a little bit more than we knew and she just needs a fresh start to to finish her college career with one really interesting thing about this though is that I think that. I think it's fair to ask some questions about Kelly Graves at this point, not for his coaching acumen. Um, I think he's a, an outstanding head coach and he's, he's got the track record, the, the NCAA tournament success. I mean, nobody will tell you that he's not an incredible coach, but there's starting to be a pattern of players choosing not to play for him and choosing to leave. Um, once I heard this this pow pow news, I went through the list of the the past few rosters just to see who was on this team who decided to to end up transferring out. Um, at the top, not transfers, but India Rogers turning down another year to go to WNBA. Niara Sable did the same. Sedona Prince did the same. I know she Sedona's situation was a little bit different because there was injury. But if you look at just the transfer portal, you've got. This this long list of players that decided to transfer out: Jenna Sai this year, Maddie Shear, Taylor Bigby, Sydney Parrish, Kylie Watson, Taylor Chavez, Jad Shelley, Angela Dugalik. Um, those were all within the past, I think, two to three years. Players that were on this roster that just decided to go play elsewhere. Um, I'm not sure if they they just liked the fit better on other teams or they just didn't really. Maybe didn't really get along with Kelly Graves. It didn't didn't think that they could play for him or play under his system. But um, it's it's interesting. I I don't cover this team close enough personally to to really know what's going on behind the doors. I know uh, I'll see a couple people who are really plugged in tomorrow at Oregon's practices and stuff, and um, I will definitely be talking to them and see if I can figure out what's going on because this is it's something I I think that this isn't nothing i mean there's some smoke here and i'm i'm curious if there's fire um i don't think that kelly graves is on his way out by any means and i'll say it again i think he's a really good head coach but um this is this is this is not nothing i mean there's there's a severe problem of of really talented players choosing to go play elsewhere even after they've been at oregon and kind of experienced what it's like so um it's something to watch going forward and i will be uh, tuned in this offseason because this just became a really, really important offseason for, for Kelly Graves and the Ducks because they've got a lot of roster building to do and they've got a, a lot of holes to fill on that team. So uh, we'll see what they can do over the next few months, but it's it's going to be interesting to watch. All right, let's take a quick break and I will bring on Shane Potter and we will talk about Sabrina Ionescu and Caitlin Clark. All right, I brought my good friend in, Shane Potter, from the Flock Pod to talk about this Caitlin Clark phenomenon in women's college basketball. When it comes to deciding who the uh, who the GOAT is in college basketball, I could think of no one better to uh, to have this conversation with. So, Shane, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for thinking about me in these, these crazy times and these uh, hyperbolic debates. Yes, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of a lot of big takes being had right now. I mean, a lot of, 
I so before we talk about Kalen Clark and everything, I just want to say that I'm gonna sound like a hater a lot in this, just because it, it comes from a place of passion, just because you know we love Sabrina so much, we love what she did at Oregon. So I get kind of scared. I said this on Twitter, I think on Sunday, or maybe it was on Friday after the the Final Four game that. I am kind of afraid that what Caitlin Clark is doing is erasing Sabrina from the history books and kind of making her an afterthought that people would be like, oh, Caitlin is the best player to ever play, and we've seen nothing like her. And it's like, well, it's a, a few years ago we saw something pretty pretty similar to her in Sabrina Ionescu. I know she didn't get the, the tournament run like we wish she did, which we'll get into, but I no matter what I say here, I don't want to take anything away from Caitlin Clark. I think she's an incredible player. I love watching her. I love what she's doing for the game. I think it's it's there's room for everybody to be good. It's kind of like the MJ LeBron debate or the the Kobe LeBron debate. Like, why can't everyone be good? Why why do we have to like pit these people against each other? But um, what I what I want to talk about with Sabrina is that my, just going back to that that big fear of mine that since Caitlin's been so good and so electric, it's kind of making people forget Sabrina existed. So what do you, what do you kind of think of when you watch Caitlin play just, uh, just to start? Well, I mean, just, especially when we're comparing these two players, I mean, Caitlin and Sabrina's play style is so similar. Uh, yeah. They're, you know, they're guards that, you know, completely dominate the offense. Everything is ran through them. I think uh, Caitlin Clark too much was ran through her. It was kind of this like James Harden in the playoffs uh, effect last night in that championship game when she got into foul trouble and, you're running that much through one player, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. I love watching her play. I think her game is awesome. Unfortunately, the, the, the kind of the aura around her kind of turned me into a hater too, where I, I, it's, it's not, it's nothing against her, you know? And like, I even said it on Twitter. It was like, it's, it's not that I don't like Caitlin Clark. I just think that we're being disrespectful to the players who came before her at this time by like appointing a player with zero championships. Yes. She's done some cool things statistically, but you also look at the other players on her team and the reason she's doing so much is because she has to like that. She absolutely has to score 40 points for them to beat elite teams. So it's, it's a heavy lifting. It's not necessarily her fault, but yeah, we need to, we need to not forget Sabrina and even going back just a little bit further, like Asia Wilson and a little bit further, uh, Brianna Stewart. And if you want to go way back, we got Cheryl Miller. So it's like yeah. to just appoint Caitlin Clark, the goat, I think is a little, is, is a much. So before we get into the the broad picture of, you know, who is the GOAT in, in women's college basketball, like you said, it's just, it feels really quick. And I know that in our sports society that we, you know, we love a, a rash hot take. And if someone does something incredible, it's like, oh, they're, they're the greatest to ever do it. <clears throat> I said before we started recording, I was listening to the, I know we both listened to the Bill Simmons podcast and he had Ryan Rosillo and Van Lathan on today. And they were talking about Caitlin Clark and, and LSU and Iowa. And they were both saying, they're like, is Bill was asking, he's like, is there a, a women's college basketball player who has done this in the past 20 years, 25 years? I was like, yeah, there, I mean, there really is. If you look four years ago in the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. late 2010s, you know, um, I just for, comparison sakes i brought up the the career stats for both sabrina and caitlin just to to go through them real quick for the listener i i have been curious about this yeah it was actually i mean it's kind of telling it it definitely made me more impressed with caitlin because like i i mean obviously i knew she was a great player but you look at some of her stats it's like holy crap but then you look at sabrina Mm. and it's it's incredible so 
Sabrina, 142 games. She averaged 18 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, and 7.7 assists on 45% shooting and 42% from three. I think her best year, arguably, was the 2019-2020 season. She had 17 points per game, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. Only college player with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 1,000 assists. 26 career triple-doubles, most in collegiate history. Uh, the team made the Elite Eight when she was a freshman. They made the Elite Eight when she was a sophomore. They made the Final Four when she was a junior. And then that senior season was the COVID year where they were going to be a number one seed and they were probably the favorites to win it all. So, And then obviously she went on to be the number one overall pick. Caitlin Clark is a junior right now. She's played 100 games, averaged 27.2 points per game over those three years, <laughs> which is just incredible. Uh, seven rebounds per game, eight assists per game, 46% shooting, 38% from three. I know she takes a lot more threes than, than Sabrina did. Her, uh, her best year was arguably this year or last year. She, I mean, they were kind of similar stats. She averaged 27 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Um, as a freshman, she averaged 26 points per game. I saw that was just kind of insane. Um, she has 11 career triple doubles. So that's where Sabrina really has her beat, uh, 26 to 11. Iowa made the Sweet 16 when she was a freshman. Uh, they lost in the second round when she was a sophomore. Then, obviously, yesterday they lost in the championship game to LSU. So, when I read those stats, what's the what's the major thing that kind of stands out to you? I mean, like, if you were to read me both of those stat lines and not told me which one was which, I, it would be nearly impossible to try and figure out, honestly. Yeah. Um I mean, they're both so impressive. Those scoring clips are both of them. It's it's funny too, like the how the recency bias thing really sets in. That I kind of forgot how amazing Sabrina was statistically. You know, we the triple doubles I think is kind of what stands out and breaking some of those Pac-12 records. But when you talk about those shooting percentages, like forty-six percent while doing all of that, and then also you know, it, I'd say the the major difference between like the between these two players is kind of the teams that they played on. You know, Sabrina was orchestrating this offense with Ruthie in the pick and roll and then Satu getting involved from the wing. And then when you watch Iowa, it's a lot more of this kind of less nuanced, like Steph Curry kind of like uh, offense is what it kind of reminds me of. Where she's got the ball a lot, but then she's also kind of running around without the ball a lot and just shooting a ton. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, both are just incredibly impressive. Yeah, and let's let's open it up now to the kind of the broader picture because you I forget what your tweet was over the weekend, but you know, you responded to some people saying like, Oh yeah, she's the goat if you don't consider this person and this person and this person. So in the grand scheme of things, I mean, where it's it's hard to predict and hard to say, you know, where is Caitlin gonna end up on that hierarchy? She's got another year in college and then hopefully a, a really successful WNBA career as well. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know that you even have uh, Sabrina high on that list. I'm not sure where you have her. So what in your mind is kind of your top top five, top ten, if you want to go that deep, for greatest women's player of all time? Um, I mean – I'm putting you on the spot you here. you got to look at you know, <laughs> Brianna Stewart. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's tough. I, I think a top five is kind of – it's it's kind of easy to do, but it's 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 similar to like any sport when you start having this conversation where eras play like a big a big part of it, and you also look yeah. at like you know Brianna Stewart. She won four national championships in college, and, you know, with huge numbers, multiple pl- player of the year. 
you know, obviously a very successful pro career as well. But then you make the argument that, that was when like college basketball was about as top heavy as it, as it could be. And UConn was super duper loaded. Sue Bird, kind of the same conversation. Candace Parker, I think, is also up there, which she was able to do at Tennessee. Um, and then when you kind of have like the the NBA greatest of all time conversation, Wilt Chamberlain is always kind of left out, even though you see these numbers and you're like, yeah. how is this guy not like obviously one of the best He's got ever? Every record, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he averaged 50 points a game one year. It's insane. And then <laughs> so I think you kind of put Cheryl Miller in that same conversation where it's like, yes, we have to recognize her be, because of the statistics and what she was able to do and you know, probably would have been one of the first players to play in the pro ranks uh, with men. But women's college basketball just wasn't at the point that it is now. So it's kind of hard to – I don't want to have like the – what was it? The plumber conversation that was had a couple months <laughs> yeah. ago. But it is, yeah. you know, it's not at the elite level that it is now. And then I would also have Asia, Asia Wilson in that conversation. Um, mm-hmm. She won player of the year at South Carolina. They won a championship. Uh, really was like the the cornerstone in changing that program to what we have now, where it, it they're like the the modern day UConn, if you want to kind of like yeah, juxtapose absolutely. those eras. I think what Don what Don Staley is building there is going to last a long time. So, but then yeah, and then Sabrina, you know, it, it sucks having that incomplete for that final season. I think that yeah, would have kind of really hurts. At least you know gave us some closure because people like to say that it's like an automatic championship. Hey. You know, if this year showed us anything, you know, the best team doesn't always win. Uh, I still think South Carolina was the best team this year, but, you know, it just it happens. And they ran into a buzzsaw on Caitlin Clark and she dropped 40 on him and was like, was it 65 percent of the team's total offense? She scored or assisted yeah. on every point <laughs> in the fourth quarter. I mean, so like shit like that happened. So, like, you know, you can't really just pencil in that title. But I do think Sabrina deserves to be in that conversation. Uh, I do think that there is a little bit of a bias towards her just because of like the whole West Coast thing and the fact that I think people view the Pac-12 as being kind of soft. But the more that she has success in the WNBA, I think it kind of disproves that stigma that she had in college. Well, yeah, and I think the fact that her the start to her professional career has been a little bit bumpy just because of injuries. You know, it's it's it hasn't taken off quite like mm-hmm. we expected it to yet. I'm I think that going forward, you would agree as much as anyone that you know they're going to be really good, and I think she's going to start to shine really brightly over these next couple of years in New York. But if she had that instant success from college straight to the WNBA, I feel like she would be remembered a lot more on the you know just on your, your water cooler talk, your, your Bill Simmons and Ryan Masillas would know to mention her in a conversation about the best women's players ever, instead of just completely forgetting she exists. So, and then obviously the COVID year, yes, you're right. It's, you can't pencil in a championship for him. You can never pencil in a championship in a, a 64 team field with, you know, some of the best teams in the nation. But I think we feel confident that they would have made it to at least in another elite eight, maybe a final four. And then you've got a, a college career with, oh. you know, three elite, three elite eights, one final four on your resume and the, you know, the most triple doubles in college history, you know, all of these other records that she has. Um, it'd be pretty incredible, but I don't really know what point we wanted to make here. I don't know that we really, I don't know that there was an answer to get down to in this conversation, but I just watching all of the, you know, the the talking heads over the weekend and the Twitterverse talking about the greatest college basketball players, the greatest women's players. I feel like we just I I really wanted to stand on my soapbox and say, hey, don't 
don't forget about you know Sabrina so quick. I think that there's there's so much that she did for the game and and again I'll say it again. None of this is to take anything away from Caitlin Clark. I love Caitlin. I love what she's doing. Um, she's so much fun to watch and and like we said in the the greatest of all time draft, what she's doing for the game mirrors what Sabrina did for the game, where she's elevating it mm-hmm. to a new level and she's she's really. Um, she's being a, bra- a great ambassador for the game. And I think that's so important, but um, yeah, I just, I had really conflicting feelings. I was really at a internal battle all weekend and all, you know, NCAA tournament watching this because like, I, I love what she's doing, but part of me is just, it's, I guess I would call it jealousy just because we never got that with Sabrina and we right. never got the chance to, to have her, to see her have that impact and see her be on that national stage and in the championship game. Yeah. And I mean, and no matter how you feel about like how that national championship game went yesterday with like, you know, the, the antics that were uh, attached to LSU's victory and, you know, like uh, became, you know, this Caitlin Clark discussion, I feel like has become a, a bigger thing. And I don't really want to get into that. It's become like but a race I, war, which is really unfortunate. A hundred percent. Everything dude, does in our society. <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of glad that like that, women's college basketball is having this moment like viewership went way up and we did have this this giant moment in this giant championship game and it sparked a debate like I didn't think that for a game that was in the middle of the day when I got home from work last night like 11 o'clock or whatever I get on Twitter I'm like what's the world talking about you know what's burning down now and people are like still tweeting about the game and I was like holy and then like I get involved and I'm like oh blah 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 I told you guys blah 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 blah. but anyways like it 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 is like a, a cool thing that it was that it was this big. Uh, like it's you know, yeah. again, depending on how you feel about it, like whatever. It was it was a it was a huge moment, and I think that like you said, like Caitlin Clark has elevated, kind of like took what Sabrina started in some ways in these past few years, and and kind of picked it up and ran with it with this awesome you know individual statistical season and team success all kind of happening at the same time. And it would be like I. I now that Iowa lost this championship and we can kind of slow down the talk a little bit, I am kind of like hoping that she wins it next year. You know what I mean? Like after yeah. like kind of subconsciously rooting against her for the last month. Yeah, I, I agree. And back to the the game having such importance, which was really cool. I think it was really important that you never want officiating to be such a, a big, you know, talking point with a game, especially a championship game. You don't want the refs, you know, kind of deciding the game, but the fact that everyone was so mad about it. And that was such a point of contention. I think that in some ways is good because that shows that people care and that they don't, they like Mm -hmm. this product enough to not want it, you know, messed with. And I think that probably 10 years ago, obviously this, this championship has half the viewership and people just don't really care at all if the, the the calls are going the wrong way. So, um, but yeah, like you said, it, it really feels like, Caitlin Clark is kind of standing on the shoulders of Sabrina in a way and just helping elevate that to the next level, which is awesome. It's, it's great for the game. It's really fun to see. It's really entertaining. Um, so long as it doesn't squash Sabrina and just erase her from right. the, from the history books. Well, and I also think that Sabrina was kind of done like this insane injustice by just the world shutting down. Like, I mean, we talk about them not getting to finish out that season, but then, like, you know, mm-hmm. a, a draft that's done, you know, uh, you know, over Zoom or whatever, and just kind of 
Sports yep. got put a little bit on the back burner because we always had this the world is ending thing to talk about. And then especially women's sports got pushed, you know, onto the further back burner, of course, because they're always behind, you know, the NFL, college football and those things. So it was like the worst possible time to like have like this crown jewel moment and then enter the pro stage of your career. Like if the world is going to forget about you, a worldwide pandemic yeah. is definitely the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think Sabria tweeted on I forget which day it was, but she tweeted, she's like, oh, what could have been? And it's like, yes, that that really hit mm-hmm. home because it's like, man, we every Oregon fan wanted to see that team in the in the NCAA tournament so badly because, you know, there's uh, I, a lot I feel of like I could collectively, sports. Go ahead. I could collectively hear like Duck fans phones drop out of their hands when that tweet went out, yes. like just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like there's there's just a lot of knocks on Oregon sports for for no championships or not many championships in recent memory in the major sports, and that was probably as good of a chance as they will have or have had in a long time. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of it brought up old wounds, which was which was tough to see. It it's kind of added to that conflicting nature of watching the whole Caitlin Clark experience. Uh, Shane, thank you very much for coming on and indulging me and kind of <laughs> letting me talk through some of my feelings about Sabrina. It's always great to have you. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Again, a big thanks to Shane Potter for coming on and talk about Sabrina and Caitlin Clark. I'll be back on, like I said, either later this week or early next week to talk more about the football season as the Ducks return uh, and we ramp up towards the spring game. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can do it as always at duckswire.usatoday.com or follow me on Twitter at Zachary C. Neal. We will talk to you guys uh, a few days, maybe next week. Until then, take it easy. Mm